been doing a series uh, called Save to Serve. Before that series, we did a series called Save to Live. And the basis of what we're talking about is the fact that as believers, God has saved us so that our sins can be forgiven, yes, so that we can know that we're right with the Father and there's a home in heaven. But he's also saved us here and now for a purpose. And he has saved us to live, as we talked about in that series, and he has saved us to serve. So we've talked in the last two messages about the fact that we were saved to serve the Lord and we were saved to serve others. And today, specifically, I want to talk about the fact that the Lord rewards those who serve. So we're going to wrap up our series on serving with talking about rewards, or maybe for some of you, awards. You know, awards are cool, right? They're usually they're a shiny trophy or something, and you get to put it there. And you know, if you stop to think about it, are they needed? Well, probably not. But you see, the rewards that God gives go beyond what you need. He's not a God who just gives you enough or expects you to barely make it. He's a God of abundance, and he rewards because he loves his kids. He wants you to know he loves you, and he does. So today, we're going to talk about the fact that God rewards those who serve him. Revelation 22 and verse 12. It says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus is saying clearly, there's a day coming that I am going to return, and I will bring my reward with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Rewards come with serving the Lord in many different ways. We know that as this first verse mentioned, there'll be rewards at the end of time, but also there are rewards here and now. And the rewards here and now come from God himself and from other people. So let's look at Mark chapter 10 and verse 29. Yes, Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who has given up houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, or properties for my sake and the good news will receive now in return a hundred times more houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. There are rewards here and now. You see, Jesus' followers looked at him and said, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. Everything. They'd left families, properties, fishing businesses, everything. And he says, you have, and I'm guaranteeing you, I'm going to bless you a hundred times over right here and now. And also, there's rewards in heaven. So if you're here today and you've given, and maybe you're like the disciples, you're thinking, boy, it feels like I've given everything. And right at that moment, I don't think the disciples were seeing the hundredfold reward or they wouldn't have asked that question. But he said to them clearly, I'm going to bless you. Church, if you're someone who serves already, know this, God will reward you. And he rewards, and his rewards are abundant. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, we read this. It says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be put into your bosom, for with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. 
Now, this is a message a little bit more on the side of giving, and I'm not really going to get into giving today. I want to really stick more on the serving end of things. Now, giving is a way of serving, but the serving we're talking about is, well, the scripture uses the word work or action-based. However, this is a principle that works with your serving, and it's this, God blesses back, but also people will bless back. If you're kind, people will be kind back. If you're generous, people will be generous back. I remember a number of years ago going and helping someone build on their roof. They were reshingling their roof, and they had all the guys at work come help reshingle the roof. But that same guy would go help other people do their projects. It was returned. So in that way, rewards come even in this life from people and from God. You see, when you choose to serve God, you can trust that he will bless you. He will return it. And when he returns, it is going to be more. The God we serve is generous. The God we serve goes over the top to prove that he loves you. And if you're here today, you're not feeling too loved. I got good news for you. He's about to show you how much he loves you. Because he's a father that sees where you're at, he sees what you need, and he wants to bless you. When we talk about blessing and over-the-top blessing, I sometimes like to talk about it in the sense of marriage. Husbands and wives blessing one another because they love each other. Probably most, at some point or other, get flowers. I remember uh, when I was first married, I grew up on a farm, and uh, you know it was kind of basic needs and you don't waste. And I thought flowers were a waste. I'm like, you buy these things, they're already cut off, they're going to die in a week. What a waste of money. Now I had the wrong attitude and I certainly learned it is never a waste to bless your wife, to let her know she's loved and she's special. There is no such thing as a waste when it comes to that. And if flowers are what does it for your wife, get flowers. All right, that was preaching to somebody right there. Anyhow, I said all that to say the God we serve, he is a God that doesn't mind wasting on you. Now, it's not waste to him, but I want you to actually see it that extreme. He loves you so much, he will give you more than enough. What's more than enough? More than enough is when he fed the 5,000. They broke that fish and bread and it kept breaking until there was overflow. They picked up the leftovers, 12 basketfuls. You see, the God you serve loves you and he wants to reward you in a way that you will feel loved and special. And he is going to. You can trust him. He's good. And yes, he loves you. I got an article here I want to read uh, because every once in a while, I like to get a scientific article. Does anybody like science? This is what happened last service. Like three people only put up their hands. Like, Anyways, I guess I was a science geek in school. But I like science. I find that science proves Scripture over and over and over. And if there's some science that's not proving Scripture, it's wrong. And eventually, they'll find a new discovery that proves that they were wrong. Because this book is true. But anyhow, here's a scientific article about helping others and how it's good for us. Seven scientific benefits of helping others. Their number one point 
Helping others can help you live longer. It's like, oh, do I have to? Oh, it gets better. It gets sweeter. There's an old song, it gets sweeter as the days go by. Hey, step into him. Watch where he'll take you. Want to extend your lifespan, the article says. Think about regularly assisting at a soup kitchen or coaching a basketball team. Research has shown that these kinds of activities can improve health in ways that can lengthen your lifespan. Volunteers show an improved ability to manage stress, stave off disease, as well as reduce rates of depression, and an increased sense of life satisfaction when they were performed on a regular basis. Volunteering and helping others on a regular basis will cause you to live longer. Okay, the next point, helping others makes us happy. Who wants to be happy? Uh, markets out there know that people want to be happy. Advertisements for things they're selling, they pretty much always tweak it to, you'll be happy if you buy this product. People want to be happy. Well, according to this, one team of sociologists tracked 2,000 people over a five-year period and found that Americans who described themselves as very happy volunteered at least 5.8 hours per month. This heightened sense of well-being might be the byproduct of being more physically active as a result of volunteering or because it makes us more socially active. In other words, they're not really sure why, but people are really happy when they volunteer. 5.8 hours a month, that means you could greet every Sunday. Sorry, I wasn't going there. But you get the point. Volunteering is good for you. Helping others in need. And, you know, of course I'm going to talk about church serving, but this goes way beyond the walls of church, you guys. I know people that serve in many different ways that has nothing to do with church. There's people who uh, serve others simply like going help work on the roof, go uh, help them butcher the elk or the moose. I don't think it's hunting season yet, but pretty soon. And uh, there's ways of helping and serving others that makes a difference and you will feel better. You see, I found this out when you choose to look and find what others need, your problems get less. Okay, because you're not thinking about them. You're now thinking of others, and that's just a better way to live. You see, God can look after your stuff. But if we get inward focused, suddenly things that were small can become unbelievably huge. They can become massive problems, and yet nothing's massive for God. Nothing. So take that focus and put it on others. And watch what God will do in your situation. He's good. Helping others may help with chronic pain. I don't think it'll help with a broken foot. But anyways, it may help with it might, chronic pain. According to one study, people who suffered from chronic pain tried working as peer volunteers. And as a result, they experienced a reduction in their own symptoms. That's pretty cool. Helping others lowers blood pressure. But in general, helping others can lower blood pressure. Helping others promotes positive behaviors in teens. According to sociologists, teenagers who volunteer have better grades and self-image. So teens, get volunteering. You know, I've noticed that, that the teens here and around us, they're good to get involved. They, they want to be useful, and that's a great example. So church, teens, do something outside of yourself, and it's going to make you feel better. Now, that's just some from this article. I just wanted you to see that even science proves what the Bible says. Serving others is good for us. And the rewards are 
in the future, but also here and now. Some of those rewards, your health, your happiness, and even how you feel about life. Reach out and help others. You see, the rewards here and now, I believe this is one of the rewards, is that when we serve others, we actually cause them to see God's goodness and bring glory to Him. I consider that a reward because I love seeing people connect to God. I love seeing people's lives transform. You know, we've been blessed this year already at church to see 58 people accept Christ. And you know what? I want to thank you because every one of those people came because you invited them. Okay? They did. You invited them. You sat with them. You encouraged them. That's why they're here. Thank you. But friends, when we serve others, we bring glory to God and it draws in those who don't know him. Listen to Matthew 5, verse 15. It says, No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Okay, I know that in kids' church, we will tell this story and we say that Our lamp is the light of Christ shining out brightly from us. Now, that is correct, but how does the light shine out from us? By what we do. You see, our light isn't shining if we do nothing with what God's given us. Our light can only shine with how we serve others. So church, how's your light shining out there? Because that's what he's talking about. How is it shining? What are you doing to show that you care for others. Now, I need to make something clear as I continue on with this message. I'm not talking this morning about salvation. Okay, salvation is a free gift. Christ paid for it all. I'm talking about that now that you're a believer, you are saved to do something. There's a purpose. And you will see through scripture that we're reading today, it is what you were created to do or saved to do. 1 Peter 2 verse 12, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Those that don't even know God, who might not even like you, will glorify God when you do good. Did you know I've never seen someone come to Christ because you argued with them long enough. I've never seen someone come to Christ because you proved them wrong. But people come to Christ when you show them God's love. And how do you show them God's love? You come alongside them, you take time for them. You serve them in the way that they need it. Church, you and I are called to good deeds, serving others. I also believe that one of the rewards here and now for serving, serving the Lord and serving others, is the fact that we have the joy of fulfilling God's word. You know, when somebody comes and begins to serve God, maybe one of the questions on their mind is, well, how do I please God? What does he want me to do? Well, I got some good news. It is not complicated. Okay. Some of you sounded unsure about that. It is not complicated. All right. How do I know that? Galatians 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does that mean, bear one another's burdens? Well, literally, that means if I was carrying a heavy object across here, you would come along and pick up the other end and we'd carry it together. I had that opportunity just the other week. My wife has stepped up to do children's pastor because Pastor Bruce and Kim are, are connections pastors now. And she said, we got to build a wall. And I try to stay out of construction, but anyhow, I don't like saying no to my wife, so I got involved. But I had to get some 12-foot sheets of 5-H drywall in the building and on the wall on both sides. I couldn't do it myself, so I needed someone to help me bear that burden. And there was a young man who volunteered uh, a lot of time and helped put those sheets on the wall. So that's a literal interpretation of helping bearing another's burden. But for you and I, there are many opportunities to help others with the load they're carrying. Is it an emotional load? Is it a spiritual load, a mental load? What are they carrying that you can come alongside and help? That is a way to serve others. So have your eyes open and think about it and be willing to help. Now, in this verse, it said we would fulfill the law of Christ. And maybe you're thinking today, the law of Christ, isn't he all about grace? And all? What do you mean the law of Christ? Well, here it is in John 13, verse 34. He said, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my followers. Well, that's a pretty good law. Who can handle that one? And he said, that's all we got to do. Isn't that amazing? Christ simplified it down to that. Well, they're going to know who you are if you show love to one another. How is the world going to know that you love others? By your smile and your eyes? Maybe, but I don't think that's what he was meaning. They're going to know you love others by what you do. Are you crushing people? Are you angry at everybody you meet? Or are you encouraging? Are you lifting them up? Are you meeting the needs that you can meet with people that you come in contact with? Are you letting his love flow through you with your actions? Because when we do that, we fulfill Christ's law. Titus 2 verse 14 says, He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Jesus saved us. He cleansed us, he set us free, and he said, hey, i got some good things for you to do. I, I know you're thinking, this is too simple. This is what it's about, church. You want your neighbor to come and accept Christ? You're going to need to show him some love. You want the person at the store to come to your church and find out what it's all about? You're going to need to show him some love. You're going to need to let him know that you care. People don't come after you ream them out. As a matter of fact, the world out there is determining in their mind what a Christian is by you. If you're the person that they see, that's how they're determining what a Christian is. Oh, that must be a Christian. I don't think I want that. Or are they saying, that's pretty cool, I want that. What are they saying when they watch you? That's a good way to know if you're showing God's love. What are they saying when they watch you? Are they going to want it, or are they going to stay away? You see, God rewards us by allowing us to be part of what he's doing. He rewards us here and now with a hundred 
times more if we'll let him. He's good and his rewards are amazing. Did you know that when you choose to serve him, he gives everything you need to do it. He doesn't ask you to do something that you can't do. He asks you to do something for your good and for his good and for the good of others. And he may ask you to do it for a season, but you do it your best and he'll be glorified. I think how often God blesses even when we don't expect it. I know for myself, just the last couple weeks, I got involved in a couple projects, as I mentioned here at the church, and I probably spent over 40 plus extra hours beyond the regular pastor hours just doing, you know, 80% because I love my wife and 20% because I love the church and got it done. But here's the thing. Being a pastor is busy with situations and stuff, and typically it feels like you're just getting stuff done, not even enough time. When I came to the end of these two weeks, putting in that many extra hours, I got to the end of Friday and I was all caught up. Everything I need to do prepping for next week is done. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? A normal week, there isn't enough time. Now these weeks where I've put in extra, extra it's all done. And I got to make some phone calls just randomly to people because I had time. I can tell you this, when you choose to serve God as he's asking, you can know he will give you what's needed. And yes, he can even multiply your time. How does that work? Because he can give favor, he can cause situations to come together, he can uh, do whatever's needed to make it work quickly. When you give, he blesses back when you serve him. Of course, that principle is the same with giving. When you decide, church, I, I want to serve God, you know, I want to do something for him, but I have no time. Choose to serve him first and you will have time, I guarantee it. He's not a liar. Whatever gift he's put in you, you choose to give it to him, you will have time for other things, I guarantee it. But if you put him on the bottom of your list, you won't have time. The devil will make sure you don't because he knows serving is good for you and it can change your life. Put it at the top, just like you put your tithes at the top. If you don't tithe to God first, and you put it at the bottom of the list, you'll never have enough. They'll, it'll always run out before you get there. But you do it first, and you always have enough. More than enough, because that's how God's kingdom works. So church, do not be afraid to serve thinking, I don't have time. Trust me, you will have time. The rewards, of course, at the end of time... Ephesians 6, verse 7, he says, Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether slaves or free. I don't care who you are as a believer, whatever job God's put you in, do it as to the Lord. If you do it to people, you're going to get burned out, you're going to get discouraged and disappointed because people don't always notice what you do, but he does. Do it for him alone. Because guess what? His rewards are awesome. Do it for him and let the rest fall where it falls. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. If God has blessed you, 
abundantly in your finances, know that he's asking you to use it as he directs. And to be generous, again, he says, in good works. Serving others. Sometimes that word works as a church people, you might be like, oh, that's a bad word. No, it's not. But it's just the word they used here. Serving others is a better word, I think, that we can understand. That's what he's talking about. Serve others with what he's blessed you with. I want to look at a parable here for a little bit, and then I have one more verse after that. So it's going to take a little bit yet, but stick with me. This is a parable I have read before. It's one of my favorites, I guess, because I refer to it often. But it is a parable that Jesus tells of his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and he talks about a lord or a master leaving and giving his finances to servants who are supposed to look after it. And then he returns and he takes account of what they've done with what he's given. Verse 20, the servant whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Or as one version says, enter into the joy of the Lord. And then there was a second servant who had received two bags of silver. He came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together or enter into the joy of the Lord. Now this is the positive part of this parable. But I want you to see a couple things from this part of the story. First, the Lord expected them, servants, that's what he calls us, we're his servants, That's not a bad word either, by the way. It's an honor to be a servant of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As a matter of fact, how many of you, if in times past, when the queen was here, would you have served in her court if she asked you to and thought, well, this is pretty cool, it's royalty? Sure you would. Here we have a great honor to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but they were servants, and they were asked to take what God had given them and increase it. Everybody say increase. He's a God of increase. You know, sometimes when things in the world get crazy and things are going bad, I don't know why, but there's this thing in Christian circles where they get this idea of we just need to hide out and hang on until Jesus comes. It's a nice thought, but it's not scriptural. Nowhere does he say just hide out and hang on. He says, take whatever I've given you and increase it. Okay, take whatever he's put in your hand and say, how can I use this for you? And then use it. And then there was the third servant. There was the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. And look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank and at least I could have gotten some interest on it? Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, everybody say nothing, don't do nothing. I know you're not supposed to say it like that, but you get the point. 
Nothing is not good in God's kingdom. Even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whew, what a depressing verse to come to the end of the story with. Some of you are like, what? That sounds terrible. Okay, a couple things here. He said this about this servant because the servant had an excuse why he did nothing. His excuse, well, I was afraid. I'm too shy. Oh, now you're getting more at home, Pastor. Don't say that. I would serve, but I'm just shy. Okay, well, that was the servant's excuse. I'm just afraid. But here the Lord spoke to him and said, well, that might be your excuse. But right now I'm seeing that you're wicked and lazy. Oh, ouch. Lazy. Okay, I want to make this point really clear. If you are doing your best at something for God, he is happy. If you are doing something, he is happy. This servant did nothing and made an excuse. That's different. God doesn't look down and say, that didn't happen the way you thought. That's not him. He's like, good job, you give it your all. Awesome. The only person he called wicked and lazy was the one who did nothing and made excuses for it. So if you've done something, woo, he's cheering. Awesome. You're here today. You did something. You got out of bed. You got out of bed. You did your hair. You came to worship. You already have done something for God. The fact that you're here. But church, let's just say, okay, God, whatever it is. Now, I know there might be someone here today, you're in a season where you just need to be rest and have people pour in. That's awesome. But get ready because once he's poured that oil and wine on, once there's healing, he's going to say, here's what I need you to do. And you're going to do it with joy because he's good. He loves you. You see, when it's all over and everything's been said and done, you and I are going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you and I were saved to serve. Let me finish up today with this verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works that so no one may boast. You see, salvation is completely free. But he doesn't stop there. Listen to what he says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You and I, when we were saved, were made new creations according to the Bible. What does that new creation look like? Someone who loves doing good for others. Ooh, that's a good creation. That's what God created you and I to be when he saved us. We're saved to serve.